Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tomorrow, we celebrate Thanksgiving Day. It is not, strictly speaking, a church holiday, but rather a day that the United States sets aside purportedly to remember to give thanks. Much of our culture now denies the very existence of a creator and sustainer of life. And many more have bought into the dangerous and futile notion of some sort of generic divine being that each individual may define to suit himself or herself. But we know better. In fact, just as it is only Christians who can rightly, play, rightly pray, knowing that our Heavenly Father hears us for the sake of Christ, it is only Christians who can rightly give thanks. For giving thanks to anyone other than the true provider of all is a futile exercise. In the book of Job, there is a creation account in which we read, The morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. That's at the beginning of creation. In Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, we read of the elders who are gathered around the throne of God at the end of the ages, praising him day and night. The Bible in many, many places speaks of giving praise to God from the very beginning of creation to the time we're in heaven. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. St. Paul writes those words in 1 Thessalonians. And it is right that we do. We should praise him, first of all, for the very reality that he is God. We ought to praise him all the more that he is the God who has sent us his Son, Jesus Christ, who brings life out of death, joy out of sorrow. We praise him for his presence in those crisis situations in our lives, times of illness and accident, times of loneliness, and especially at the time of death, whether it be a loved one's, a stranger's, or even our own. Praise him also that even though a situation may seem terrible at the moment, he is using it as a way of working out his ultimate and good purpose in your life. Therefore, on Thanksgiving, we are to remember to thank God. Here in our Old Testament lesson this evening from the book of Deuteronomy, we have a new generation of Israelites standing on the east bank of the Jordan River. Few of them are the ones who left Egypt originally after the plagues, fleeing before the chariots of Pharaoh, thinking that they were trapped against the sea and about to perish. No, that generation was largely decimated by disease, by warfare, and, yes, by God's punishment for their later rebellion in the wilderness. So now there is a new generation, one largely born during that wandering journey, who had not been alive when Moses first received God's law on the slopes of Sinai. They are ready to cross over into the land with high expectation, anticipation, and hope. 
As Moses is preparing them to enter this land, he encourages them to obey God. God wants them to remember his past mercies to this nation and to realize that he has been testing them and training them as a people for this very moment and beyond. Yes, God tested Israel in the wilderness. And he did so, he said, in order to humble them, to prove what was really in their hearts, and to teach them. Our Lord, in fact, quoted these very verses himself when he was tempted in the wilderness. God has been good to us as well. He has blessed us all in very many, many ways. He gives us material blessings, and he tells us both why and how we should not come to depend on them so that we might see that we also have great spiritual wealth, the richness of the Word of God. And it is the Word of God that is the real manna in your life, the real manna for the children of God today. Verse 4 of the reading says, Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Now that may sound a bit like a, a strange blessing, but imagine this. In many parts of the world, people have a very bland and narrow diet without anywhere near the great variety that we enjoy in our land of plenty. And so they do not necessarily get all of the vitamins and other nutrients they need. So they may contract various diseases and other health conditions, such as beriberi. Strange to us, but not all that uncommon around the world. Well, one of its symptoms happens to be a swelling of the feet something that other diseases of malnourishment can cause as well. And you will remember that the people of Israel received almost all of their nutrition, all of the required vitamins, through manna, a miracle food that God provided them during their journey. But for you, your spiritual manna is that word of God that supplies all of your needs. And then the Lord said this to the Israelites, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. But that guidance is not for the Israelites alone. Praise the Lord and thank him yourself, as should all people, for the food they eat and all the other blessings. And yet even now, a lot of people don't see the reason to thank God for the food that is grown and processed by human hands. They forget both him who gave us all these things in the first place and who still sustains them. It's sort of like the story of a pastor who one time complimented a farmer by saying, you and the Lord sure produced a fine crop on that field. Yes, the farmer replied, but you should have seen that field when the Lord had it all to himself. It was nothing but a weed patch. Yes, we sometimes forget what that feel would be like if the farmer had it all to himself, though. All of his work would be in vain and completely useless if the Lord had not provided the sunshine, the soil, the rain and the air, even the wind and the insects to pollinate the plants. Not even weeds could grow without the Lord. God was calling his chosen people Israel to be thoughtful, as they entered the good land that he had promised to them, not to be careless with it, not to take things for granted. He was urging them to remember him and remember all of the things that he was doing, 
all of the things that he had promised to do and how much they depended upon him. How foolish it would be for the people of Israel to forget him and to give themselves credit for all their success. And how foolish it is for us, or for anyone for that matter, to do the same today. For God wants us to remember our past too. Paul put it like this for the believer in his letter to the Philippians. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Yes, we are to remember that God has led us too. He has blessed us in the past, and he promises to continue to do so in the future. Remembering his blessings, his complete fulfillment of all of his promises to people throughout the centuries, it's for our encouragement. It is for our confidence so we might grow in trust and in faith in these promises, even those that are not yet fully realized. When our lives are mostly filled with what the world considers goodness, we have a tendency to start feeling invincible and in such times we think we have no real need for God. In doing so, we can become neglectful in our praise. In the account of Jesus and the ten lepers, for example, ten were healed. Ten of them had this marvelous thing happen to them, but only one gave back, came back to give thanks and praise. Now, we usually do remember to give thanks to God when Jesus brings his healing power into our lives, but not always. Sometimes we give credit to the doctor, or maybe we give credit to the fact that we were finally able to get some rest, or maybe to the pills or the supplements that we took. But it is important that we do not become forgetful and neglectful and become self-sufficient in our newfound health and our restored strength. It is not our doing. Any more than anything else in our lives arises out of our own efforts, our worthiness, or our merit. More than anything else, thank God for the forgiveness of sins, for the life and salvation that is ours because of the sacrificial death of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You remember that Jesus' neighbors once chased Him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. You'll remember that Jesus' closest friends betrayed him and deserted him in times of trouble. You'll remember that Jesus' body, sweat, became like blood when he reflected upon the sins of the world and what he would have to face on account of it. And yet his compassion propelled his wounded, broken, suffering body up Calvary's hill where he was executed by orders of a Roman governor and the desires of his own people. And yet through it all, Jesus never ceased giving praise and thanks to God. Jesus himself was the very sacrifice of thanksgiving because he knew that his Father would not abandon the world. He knew that after this darkness, there would be light. After this defeat, victory. After this sorrow, joy. After death, resurrection. Yes, Jesus on the cross was forsaken by his Father. He suffered agonizing pain for all of our sins. And finally, he had completely paid for the sins of all the world. And so he cried from the cross, It is finished. By his death, sin died as well. 
But then on Easter morning, He rose again. And by that resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that God the Father has fully accepted Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. And we know that we too will one day rise from the dead and be with God our Heavenly Father forever and ever. This is His promise to us. A promise every bit as real, every bit as true, and every bit as assured in ours, even now, as any promise He made to the Israelites in ancient days. Jesus Christ is our Heavenly Father's gift for you and for me. Forgiveness of sins is ours. The resurrection is ours. Eternal life in heaven is ours. Remember to thank God for all of this. Martin Rinker, the author of the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, lived during the time of the pilgrims. His home, however, was a small village in Germany. And unlike the pilgrims who journeyed from England to Holland and then on to New England, he was caught in the middle of the Thirty Years' War. But because his village had a big wall around it, thousands of people crammed inside of it for protection. Adequate sanitation facilities were lacking. Adequate medical supplies were lacking. Food and water supplies became contaminated. Conditions not unlike those that the pilgrims faced in the belly of the Mayflower. And as a result, the plague came to Rickert's village. 8,000 people died during one episode of this epidemic. And for part of this time, Rinkert was the only Christian pastor in this entire town. According to his journals, he officiated at the funerals of more than 4,000 people, sometimes as many as 50 buried in a single day. And it was during this time, this time of great tragedy and seeming hopelessness, that Rinkert wrote this great hymn, which was later translated into English by Catherine Winkworth. Consider its words very deeply this evening when we sing it at the end of the service. Much like another great hymn writer, Paul Gerhardt, Rinkert knew tragedy all too well, and yet he still, in the midst of all of this tragedy, realized, recognized, remembered, and proclaimed God's goodness. Now thank we all, our God, with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. He is certainly ours, just as we are certainly his. So after the darkness, light. After defeat, victory. After sorrow, joy. After death, resurrection, and life anew. Offer to God, the psalmists have written, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Offer to God the praise of sacrifice. And so remember to thank God now and always for all of the wondrous things He has done in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.